in an uncompromising way. We want to tell the truth. And today we're ministering on the amazing Christian. The amazing Christian. If you're born again, point to yourself and say, I am an amazing Christian. Well, you are. Now I'm going to tell you what that means. You don't know what you can do, and you don't know what you can have until you know who you are. Christians are always asking for things, but they don't have a confidence. Christians are always trying to cast the devil out or uh, speak to the mountain, but they don't know who they are, so they get condemned. They're guilty for something they did or didn't do, and so they lose their confidence while the mountain's still standing there. They give up before the mountain does. And so we want to talk about the amazing Christian. Who we are determines what we can do and what we can have. Most of the church does not know. So they don't do anything, and they don't have anything. They're just like the world. They're competitive, they're greedy, they're stingy, they're grump-grump, they're mean. They're just like the world. We just come into a building once a week and, you know, uh, sing a song or dutifully listen to the sermon, and then we go out the same. But we're not that. Jesus has made something of us. Now, because we look the same on the outside as we did before we got saved, born again, we think we are the same. But the Bible says that I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Can you say amen? amen. So I want to lift up the Lord Jesus that has seated us together with him in heavenly places. I want to lift up the Lord Jesus that's made a way where there seems to be no way. I want to lift up the Lord Jesus that always causes us to triumph. That greater is he that is in me because of him than he that's in the world. I want to lift up the Lord Jesus today. He's everything. He's our master. He's our ruler. He's our controller. He's our everything. And so I'd like for you to turn in your Bible, if you would, to the book of Titus. Now that's going to be a little sketchy, finding Titus. It's way little and it's way right. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God, Titus. I don't even know where it is. No, that, oh, Titus. It's between Philemon and 2 Timothy. <laughs> Does that help? Well, um, my first question this morning, we always start with a question, is how do you become an amazing Christian? How do you become an amazing Christian? Well, the first thing you do is Become a Christian. Well, how do you do that? If you do that, if you become a Christian, then the door opens for you to be amazing. Not everybody walks through the door. Some people get born again, they get saved, they get regenerated, and they stay like a little baby all their life. Uh, yesterday, I talked to someone that has a puppy, and they're real proud of the puppy, but they're a little disconcerted that the puppy will never develop past what you and I would say was a two-year-old child. It's going to be a two-year-old. The best thing about kids that are two years old is they don't stay two years old. <laughs> they grow up eventually. But a puppy, it's like, really? We're going to have a two-year-old in this house for 16 years? Wow. Well, there's a lot of Christians. <clears throat> they're babies in, in Christ. They're babies in the Lord. They got saved, they're born again, they're children of God, they're, they're sons of God, but they never grow up. So how do you become an amazing Christian? You take on the life of a Christian until you grow into amazing. 
You find out who you are, and when you find out what, who you are, you know, can I speak to this mountain? Can I ask God to supply my need and pay this electric bill? Can I ask him that? Well, if you don't know who you are, you don't know if you can ask. Well, there's trouble coming. My, there's pink slips going out everywhere at my job. Can I ask God to help me? Well, if you don't know who you are, you don't know if you can speak to that or pray that or, or ask for that. If you don't know, then you won't. Or you'll ask in such a way that you don't have confidence that it happened. And then invariably, I've seen this many, many times, when you pray for someone that's under a doctor's care, then the doctor gets all the credit if it turns out good. He gets all the credit. Yeah. And yet, Jesus was there, and he saved the day. Because we can't run those two scenarios simultaneously, we often don't know. So I've got another question. <clears throat> you know this question. Why do good things happen, excuse me, why do bad things happen to good people? Why is that? Because we're, we're good. I mean, we're in church today. We gave, we sang, we're, we're attentive, we're, we're doing what we think God wants us to do, so we're good people. We didn't run any drugs last night, we didn't get drunk last night, we didn't, you know, we're good people. But still bad things happen. You just, just call any church and say, anybody got troubles there? And they'll just say, oh, we got a prayer board that's a mile wide. So it must be that good is not a passport to good things. That being good, because I know lots of good Christians. I mean, they love God. They love Jesus. But their life is a wreck. They, they, got the, they got the divorce rate in the church is the same as in the world. It's exactly the same. The, same, the bankruptcies in the church, same as in the world. Naughty kids, same, same. Go, just go down the line in the church... It's just a mirror of the world. Well, it shouldn't be that way. We, we're doing good. We're, we're in church. We're, we're trying to uh, clean up our tongue, uh, our mouth, and we're, we're, we're trying to be nice and trying to get away from things that aren't nice, and we're trying. We're in there. But yet, but yet, it seems like it's no difference between us. If anything, <laughs> your neighbor's going to the lake more than you are and got a paid-for better car than you do. If anything, it seems like it's opposite. But here it is in Titus chapter 3. Why do bad things happen to good people? Look in verse 5. The Bible says, the Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Not by works of righteousness, not by the good that we did, does good come? Now, it's don't quit doing good because sin, you know, sin has a cost. The wages of sin are death. So if you go do bad things, you're going to sow bad things and you're going to reap bad things. Look, turn to James. Now, James is easier to find. Turn to James. Hebrews, James. Look in chapter 2. Look in verse 19. Well, I believe in God. I believe in God. Why do bad things happen to me? Because I believe in God. The Bible says, verse 19, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Wow, doesn't sound like it's such a big mark to believe in God, if even the devils believe. I looked it up in the New Living, and it says, You say you have faith, 
For you believe there is one God? Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. So, it's not enough to believe in God. What is the key to the kingdom? What is, what is it that God likes? Because I want to bring him, I want to do for, I want to cooperate with what he likes. And I think he just doesn't want me to smoke marijuana, or I think he doesn't want me to have three wives, or I think he doesn't want me to run drugs, or or whatever people do, whatever that's naughty. Y'all know all that's naughty. (laughs) So whatever they do. So if I quit all that, will my life get good because I'm good? Well, it will keep us out of trouble, because you will get caught for hustling drugs and, you know, all that stuff has a cost. But that's not the trouble we're talking about. Everything about a good life is exactly proportional to what did you do with Jesus. There is no other criteria. Well, I try to be good, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. So he'll save, he'll save you. He'll del- and the word saved didn't just necessarily being born again. It means he'll save you from lack. He'll save you from disease. He'll save you from, from persecution. He'll save us. He'll, he'll do good for us. But it's not based on what we do. And a lot of people believe it is because they give up. They think, well, I, I did this, and it's terrible. And it was. And they think, well, God's kissed me goodbye. No, he hadn't. He's good. When we're bad, he's good. We, and so what did you do with Jesus? So not, even the demons tremble, and they believe there is one God. But what do you do with Jesus? God said, I make the rules. But way back then, he made the rules. He doesn't change the rules once he makes them. And once he publishes them, it's not hearsay. It's not what I heard Uncle Jack say. He published it and said, I'm good for my word. If my word is no good, I'm no good. So he said, I'll publish it. And you just, you believe it, you do it, you test it, you try it, you prove it, and see if I'm not good is my word. So he set the rule that says everything that rises and falls rises on what did you do with Jesus. So Hindus are not doing anything with Jesus. The Muslims are not. The the Mormons are, well, I don't want to say that. Anyway, you know about that. They, they, They got a little different slant on it and all that. I'm not here to put down anybody, but I'm telling everybody, it's what did you do with Jesus? And then... It's what are you doing with Jesus? Well, I'm being good. I come to church, and he knows I, my heart's right. Yay. Come to church, get your mind renewed, get your life changed, uh, be tweaked, be, be quickened, be made alive in church, and be encouraged and blessed in church. But it's what you did with Jesus that matters and nothing else. Now, we didn't make the rules. You may say, that's not right. I don't like that. I don't think that's fair. He made the rules. He said, I won't change the rules for anybody, for anything at any time. It was, it is, and it will be. This is the way it is. He said, there's a law of seed time and harvest. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. It'll never change. It was, it is, and it will be. So he made the rules. They're fair. But you can't just say, I don't like the rules. I'm not going to do the rules. You're going to be found contrary to the law of God, and you're going to have a hard life. Well, I just believe he'll prosper me, and and I don't have to sow a thing. Sorry about you. It's going to be a tough old life. You'll be just like the world. No difference that you're, you're born again. 
So uh, what's another reason why bad things happen to good people? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I didn't ask for y'all to say we, we want to know. That would be good if we knew that. I just assume you want to know. Why do bad things happen to good people? And I'll tell you the number two reason is, is Christians don't make progress. And I made my point already about the puppy. It's a beagle. You know, beagles bay. But they don't ever outgrow baying, howling, whatever, whatever your word is for what a beagle or a hound does. They don't ever outgrow it. And you can muzzle them and put them in the closet, and, but that's, it's in them. That's who they are, and that's what they do. Well, if you're a two-year-old, you get born again, and you start reacting to the Holy Spirit that's in you and start seeing there's life in God, but then you don't grow. You just grow a little bit, and then you get tired of church. Some preacher, some elder, some deacon, some trustee, somebody that's churchy says something, and it hurts your feelings, and so you're like, I don't need those people. I'm better than they are. They, they, I know so about so-and-so, and I know about so-and-so, and, they, and I live better than that. I don't need the church. Well, you're right. You don't have to have the church. You can be a Christian without the church, but you can't be a strong Christian because if you can't buck up in the church where somebody hurts your feelings, where God's supposed to be, then how are you going to make it in the world where there's a devil unleashed and unfettered to take you out? This is God's place. Not because he's here, he's everywhere, but the word, this, this right here, us what we're doing right now is what makes this a special place. It's because we're putting his word in and we're changing our mind. I'm changing my mind this morning. Not about everything. I, my mind's mostly there, but sometimes I get off. Do y'all get off? Or sometimes I just don't know. I'm just, I don't know how God operates in that realm. So when I go to church, the blessing of the Lord comes in, and we change. So Christians don't make progress after the new birth is another reason that bad things happen to good people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And I, brethren, Paul says to this church, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, the meat, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you, now this is what happens in a carnal church, envying and strife and divisions. What does that remind you of? The world. He said, you're just like the world. They're, you're... you're you're, you're God's church, but you act just like the world. You're competitive. You vote on stuff. It's democratic. We don't care what God says or thinks. We're going to vote this thing in. He don't give us a vote. And then it says, are you not carnal and walk as men? And that word walk as men, you know that word. It means as mere men. Let me read it to you in the uh, New Living. Now listen to this. Uh, no, excuse me. I don't have it in the New Living. But I do have it in that verse 3 where it says, and walk as men, as mere men. So what's he saying there? You and I, who are we? Who am I? Who are you? Well, according to this, we're not mere men. Who's mere men? It's the world. The world are mere men. They're just hoping for luck or coincidence or favor or, you know, they're just trying to work themselves through to survive and get a little blessing. 
But it's not that way in the church. Now, the Word does say be good, do good, pray and read the Word. But God's goodness is not limited or measured or meted by what we do. It's measured by what Jesus did. God looks at us and say, I like you a bunch. Lord, do you like me with all my mess? He said, well, I'm looking through my Jesus glasses. I got them on, and you look so good, Michael. Oh, Lord, thank you. He said, you, you are my favorite. I like you better than anybody. Of course, he's telling everybody that. He's saying, Justin, I like you better than anybody. Lisa, oh, she's my special one. And we all hear the same thing, and it's all true. Turn me to Romans chapter 12, if you would. Slip left just a little bit. I'm going to help you before we get through this morning. We're going to talk about you, the amazing Christian. The amazing Christian. The world doesn't like you. The devil hates you. But God says, I got, I got special powers given to my man and my woman that says yes to Jesus. I said to Je- yes to Jesus. Did you? We all said yes to Jesus. So we're in. We're not having to study about something. I wish this could happen. I wish I could speak to the mountain and say, Mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, and not doubt in my heart, but believe those things which I say shall come to pass. I shall have whatever I say. When's that, who's that going to happen to? It's me. It's you. Because we are amazing in him. It's wrong for the church not to be the predominant and preeminent force in the earth. That's we were created, but we don't know it. We don't understand it. Romans chapter 12, look in verse 1. I beseech you, brethren, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. But verse 2 talks about progress. Talks about the Christian not just getting birthed, but making progress. We're, we're concerned about babies that we have that don't make cro- progress. We take the little guy back, and, and he says, well, he should be 23 inches long, and he ought to weigh 9 pounds. But here we got one that's nine, you know, 19, just didn't, didn't make, had been two months and hadn't made any progress, red lights. We're concerned. Well, heaven's concerned when we have been born again two years, And we don't know anything. We don't know who he is. We don't know who we are in him. We don't know what we can do. We don't know what we can have. We're just little sheep running around saying, where's the coyote and the wolf that's going to come get me? Well, he said here in verse 2, be not conformed to this world. What world? The world that we're all living in. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How, Lord? How can I be transformed? By the renewing of your mind. What will that do? that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, let me read that to you in the New Living. Listen, listen to this. Is it up there? Ah, it sure is. Praise God. Uh, Verse 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't copy the customs of this world, the behavior, but let God transform you into a new person. So just because we got saved, we're not done, are we? We're born again. God can't love you more than he loves you right now, but he won't love you less than he loves you right now. Because of Jesus, you're maxed out. Well, what if I, what if I smoke this and what if I run around with Lulu or what, 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 whatever people do? What if I do that? Well, it won't be a good day for you. 
because Lulu's husband's going to come after you. <laughs> but it'll be okay with heaven. Now, people don't like this message because they like to have a, a, a merit-based system with God because that's what's in the world. But it isn't the same in the kingdom. He says, if you receive Jesus, what did you do with Jesus? What, what are you doing with Jesus? Everything rises and falls on Jesus. So if I still love Jesus, I'm born again. Are you born again? Have you done bad things since you got born again? Don't make me say it. But he still loves me the same. Well, let's read this on. It says in the New Living, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? 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 By changing the way you think. Why? Because when you got saved, you thought a certain way, a worldly way, a competitive way, a dog-eat-dog world, a early bird gets the worm world, a get-all-you-can-can-all-you-get-and-sit-on-the-can. It's all competitive, which is an implication that there's not enough of good to go around, so we're going to have to whoop somebody to get the good. you gotta, you got to cut in line somehow. But in God, there's plenty for everybody. Pam getting blessed and Justin getting blessed does not come out of my paycheck. God's got enough. So he goes on, he said, uh, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Look at this in the Passion Translation. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. So he's saying be different. I'll show you, he said, how to be different. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit. How? Through a total reformation of how you think. I got to think different. Well, I think just fine. No, you think like the world. So you're afraid, and you think that, that if you've got $100 and you, you, you can't give any part of it because you'll need $100, and if I give it, I won't have it. That's the way the world thinks. That's the way we all used to think. That's the way sometimes we're tempted to think. But the Bible says seed time and harvest. If you can plant it, you can get a harvest off of it. And the harvest is always bigger than the seed. Isn't that a law in the earth? The harvest is always. You plant a bushel of wheat, if you only get a bushel of wheat back, you won't eat anything if you want to plant again. So he goes on and he said, uh, this will empower you. Now listen to this. This is good. To discern God's will as you live a beautiful life satisfying, perfect in his eyes. Now, I'm talking about the awesome Christian. I got to climb every mountain and cross every sea. I got to cross the desert on on glass to plead pleasing to God. I got to suffer for God or he won't like me. Nah, get blessed and he'll like you. But don't get blessed and he'll like you. But you know, we all know, if you've grown and you have children, that we want to give everything to our children, but some of them are easier to bless than others. Some of them are a little grump grump. Some of them are a little, you know, stick their finger in your eye, and it's hard to send them $100. (laughs) It's hard to say, yeah, I was thinking about you, sweetheart, and I, I, I got you on my mind. Well, amen. So get, get easy to bless. That means you go to church or read the Word or pray, whatever it means. Get in the God flow, and it'll be better. 
So now here's my point. Here's what we're going to talk about. I have been made, you have been made an amazing Christian. Why aren't all Christians amazing? I just told you. Some of them never grow up. uh, 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 Some of them, uh, what did we say that first one was? uh, They don't make progress after the new birth, and uh, they don't do anything with Jesus. They just get him. They just open the door to heaven with Jesus, and then they throw the key away, and they don't ever go back through that. But the man, here's what I want to confront, because the world and the church thinks that it's hard to be a Christian. Tell me you've ever said, it's, it, this is hard. This, this faith business is hard. It's hard. It's hard. It, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 13. Is it hard to be a Christian? Well, it's hard. It's hard to stay steady. It's hard to, to keep your mind on the things of God. And I'm tempted, and I, I don't want to go to church every time. Sometimes the bed feels so good. Are you kidding? It always feels so good. There's no sometimes to it. What what are y'all sleeping on, corn husks? My bed is awesome. I never want to leave her or forsake her. (laughs) She hugs me and she says, I like you, Michael. Hallelujah. Don't leave me. Oh, are you kidding? Yeah. Uh, Chapter 13 of Proverbs. Let's look in verse 15. Now we're going to read this together because this is it right here. Verse 15. Ready? Read. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. Who has the hard life? Transgressors. In some places it translates it the treacherous. The Amplified says the way of the transgressor is hard. And here it describes it like the barren dry soil or the impassable swamp. The way of the transgressor. So you say, ah, I'm saved, I got Jesus, I'm born, I'm going to heaven, and I'm going to just live as close to the line as I can of still going to heaven, but having all the fun that I can. That's how everybody thinks that's out in the world. They all think, what's the line and still go to heaven? The way of the transgressor is hard. If you're a rebel, and there's lots of Christian rebels, they're rebels, they're not just like... Well, I studied that out, and I think it's this way or that. They're talking about, they say, I don't want none of it. I'm mad at everybody. I'm mad at God. I'm mad at the church. I'm mad at people. I'm mad at Christians. They're just mad at everybody. And that's a transgressor. That means you're going to go your own way. Nobody can teach you. Nobody can instruct you. Nobody can encourage you. No one can correct you. you you're your own person, your own man, and bless God, I'll do it my way. The way of the transgressor is hard. Who who has it hard? Oh, well, it's Christians. They have it hard. No, turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Christians have it hard? It's not what the B-I-B-L-E says. Matthew chapter 11. We read this verse last week. And we're going to read it again. Because the Bible says the way of the transgressor is difficult, is hard, is not easy to navigate. It's stressful to be a transgressor. It's stressful. Well, I don't want nobody telling me what to do. That means you got to tell you what to do. And, Bubba, you don't know that much. And we got a track record. We can look at your track record and say, it's not that good. Let's let Jesus have control. 
Romans 10 verse 9 says, If thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So who is it that we confess with our mouth? The Lord Jesus. Not just Jesus. Well, I got him in my heart. I believe. Well, the Bible says the demons believe. And it's not going well for them. Here it is in Matthew chapter 11. I'm trying to get going here. <clears throat> Jesus, the Lord Jesus, said in verse 28, Come unto me, all ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. The Lord Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Why? For I am meek and lowly in heart. Then he says the promise, Ye shall find rest unto your souls. Then in verse 30, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The amazing Christian has an easy life. You may go, it's not that good for me. That's because you got a little, you got a little uh, mixed seed. Uh, uh, you got some good, and God's blessing you for the good, because whatever you sow is good. But you got some stuff that's just ornery. Just ornery. Just in his face. You go, I wouldn't do that. Sure, we do all the time. We know to do good, and we don't do it. That's what we do. That's what I do. That's what you do. I do it. We all do it. And so the trouble in our life comes from doing that versus doing the other. Well, can we ever be perfect? Well, believe it or not, you can actually go all day long without sinning. People think, yeah, you sin every hour. Well, lots of them do. And if you don't get a control of your head, what you think, you will sin. But you can get to the place where you don't sin all day, then all week. You can have a sin-free life. But it is very challenging, and it's very, I don't mean challenging, but I mean you have to be dedicated to it. The Amplified says, for my yoke is wholesome. We're talking about the Christian here. My yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh, hard, sharp, or pressing. What is it, Lord Jesus? What is your yoke? It's comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. Say good life. It is comfortable, gracious, and pleasant, and my burden is light and easy to be born. The amazing Christian has an amazing life. The Passion says, you'll find refreshment and rest in me, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Let's be strong Christians. Let's sell out. Let's, let's give it all to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, take over my life. Be my master, be my ruler, be my, we looked at that definition, be my controller. Now, that's a hard one for Americans because we, Americans like to be in control. We got to vote and we can say, and this government's based on what the people do. So we just take that over to the church and say, okay, we got to vote God. And this giving thing has got to be different because it's just eating us alive to bring the tithe. And God said, no, nah, we're not going to change nothing. I'm in charge. <laughs> Amen. Do you remember we said last week that 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, I have, we have the mind of Christ. So point yourself with me and say it with me. I have the mind of Christ. We've talked about it. It's not up here. The mind of Christ is down here where you are reborn, where you are regenerated, where you are refathered from above. That part down there is the mind of Christ. 
and we get if we can get out of our head on decisions and choices, priorities, and start going down here and listening. It's not like our head that just thinks, and we instantly know what we thought. Down here, you have to make contact with who you are in the Spirit, and God will talk to you, and he'll, he'll nudge you, and he'll just say, go this way. And we'll argue with him. I know people do argue with him. I don't want to go that way. That way he's got this and that going on and that person and this person. And I don't want to go that way. I went that way one time and it didn't work out. And God said, well, this way it will. This time and this way it will. And finally we hammer it out and say, okay. And we get blessed. Or we go the old way and it turns out just like it always did. I have the mind of Christ. Say it with me. I have the mind of Christ. In other words... The Amplified says, I hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. So he's not far off. Jesus, you're way up there. You're far away. No, he said that he's inside of us by the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Mark chapter 9. Now, I want to tell you all something. I always want to tell you all something. You are a problem solver. Christians are problem solvers because the spirit realm controls the natural realm. It talks about that in Corinthians, that what we do when we speak to the mountain, well, we didn't touch the mountain. We didn't send a loader up to the mountain. We didn't blow up the mountain. We just spoke to it. In the spirit, I mean, we said, be removed, trouble, problem, situation. And that is done in the spirit realm, but then it ripples through to the natural realm, and it changes. For instance, God said, light be. He said that in the spirit realm where he lives, but light came in the natural realm. So you and I, our job is to get in the spirit or live in that realm where he is, but affect the natural realm, affect my job, affect my marriage, affect my money, affect my body. We got to get in the spirit, the faith realm, the realm where we let Jesus be Lord, and we dominate or live above that other realm. So if I live there, I'm a problem solver. I have the mind of Christ. Where, where's the answer to every problem? It's down here. It's not in engineering. It's not in chemistry. It's not... I mean, those things find it, and those things discover it, but it's the Holy Ghost that does that. Did you know that the Jewish people of Israel, since the Nobel Peace Prize was, uh, Nobel Prize was given out years ago, has more peace, uh, Nobel Prizes than any other nation, including America? Well, they have a foundation and a root and a heritage in God. And God's blessed them. I mean, they're inventions, and they help people sleep longer and, you know, whatever inventions do. But it's God that gave it to them. And most of them are not even born again. So here's the key. God does not hold anything secret from you. You want to know something about your life, about what you need? Holy Spirit says, I will tell you. Now, why don't everybody know what God knows? Because the Bible says, you have not because you ask not. Or if you ask, you ask amiss or with lust for the wrong reason. God wants to tell us everything. Who should I marry? 
Where should I live? What car should I buy? What, what job should I take? Here's two. This one's in a town, and it makes lots of money, but there's no church. I mean, there's another kind of church, but not the church I need to go to. But here's a job over here that it's not that big of money, but it's got a roaring church. God, there's an answer for that. And if you're, in, if you're not in the spirits, you're going to go, money. But see, you could lose that job in six months. That thing could fold. And this thing here could take off like a rocket because you're attached to faith. You're attached to the kingdom. You're attached to the body of Christ. You're attached to an atmosphere that believes. That's what we have here is an atmosphere of believing. We don't have any stained glass windows. We don't have any, we don't have any of that stuff. But we have an atmosphere of believing. We're encouraged. God's got it. Get in with him, and he'll take care of it. So Mark, Mark chapter 9, verse 23 says, you know what it says, If thou canst believe, all things, all things, everything are possible to him who believes, believeth. So there's nothing off the table. The only thing that's on the table is what can you believe? Well, the Bible says that faith rises up in a believer as he hears the word of God. Faith is rising up in you this morning because we're hearing the word of God. I mean, I got a list of scriptures that we're going through. I'm not just preaching you my opinion. I'm not just telling you something I've learned. We're preaching the word and then just commenting on it. But it's the word that changes. Amen. Yeah, daddy, let's go take care of that. (laughs) So I was created to believe. I used to be, before I had Jesus, I was created to think, and I became a good thinker, and I educated myself, and I read a lot, and I was, I was resourceful, and I was diligent, and I tuned in. I put things in their order. I indexed my life, and I had it all ordered where I could pretty much figure out anything, but then I ran into stuff I couldn't fix. There was no rationale for that. There was no evident road. It could go either way. But then I started, got born again, and started renewing my mind, renovating my mind to think like God. I got this part in agreement with God, and so it became evident and clear. Everybody knows when you go into a room to put the light switch to hit it up, unless you got a wonky house with a bad electrician. You go up. We all know that, and we go, well, that's nothing. It's, it's, It's what it is. You can know that you can know the things of the spirit just like you know to hit the switch up. Go to any faucet in America, and hot's on the left and cold's on the right. That's how it is. If it's not, it's wrong, it's reversed, because hot's on the left, cold's on the right. And you go, well, what's that got to do with it? You can know the things of the spirit, hard questions and hard things, just like you know hot water's on the left. You go, well, of course we know that. That's so evident, so obvious. It's so, you can know that in God. Well, what's holding us up? We hadn't made progress. We're just living, we're, we're living a good enough life in the Lord that we're able to take care of a few troubles, and we don't, we're not, we don't know why we would want to grow. Well, we ought to grow. There's more to do if we would grow. James 1, 5, we, we, we're almost there. I think we'll be through by two. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
That'll make y'all nervous and mixed up. James chapter 5. I want you to, excuse me, James chapter 1. Look at this scripture. I want to tell you how good God is and how amazing you are. It says in verse 5, If any of you, so he's talking to the church at Jerusalem, if any of you lack wisdom, I'd say that was a pretty common thing in our lives. What to do? Should I go shopping at, at, uh, at Belk or should I go shopping at Target or should I put gas in today? Is it going to go up? or to- A hundred questions that just bombard you. But wisdom doesn't sit there and take in the question and mechanically answer it like we all did before, where we reason out, well, gas may go down and Belk's got a sale and Target's too far away. You just know down in here. You just know, I'm going to Belk. And, and on the way, I'm going to buy gas. You go, well, that's it's just like the light switch. It's just like caught on the left. It's natural. It's who we are. And when we find out who we are, I expect to know. I'm in, I, I expect to know what my day's like. I expect to know the calling on my life. I expect to know who I'm supposed to marry, what car I'm supposed to drive. God don't care what car you drive. Well, yeah, check the lemon list and see if he doesn't know. You ever bought a lemon? <laughs> it was on the list. This thing, sorry, don't buy it. Holy Spirit will say, don't buy it. And you never saw a lemon list. Um, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Why? That giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. It shall be given me. Now, is the Bible true? So he says in the true Bible, if you'll ask me for wisdom, I'll throw down. Well, I don't want God, I don't want to owe God, and if he gives me wisdom, I'll owe him, and I'll have to, he'll expect that I have to do things. Nope, said he won't even, he won't even mention it. He'll just make you so smart, you'll be called awesome. The New LT, the uh, New Living says, if you need wisdom, wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. I can do that. Can y'all do that? I'm asking you, Lord, for the answer, and I'm waiting on you, and I'm not going to do anything until I hear from you. The still, small voice is how he speaks. It's not a booming. It's not Jesus walking through the wall. It's a still, small voice. That's how we hear from God, other than the Word. We go in here, and it don't steal. Oh, I didn't have to hear from God for that, because he said, don't steal, don't murder. <laughs> but other than that, you know, he'll just start talking to you down here. But you've got to ask for wisdom. Which means we come under the greater. The greater blesses the lesser, Hebrews says. So when we ask him for wisdom, we're saying, God, you're the greater and I'm the lesser. If we don't ask him, we're saying, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty punk at this. I can do this. I don't need you, God. And he can't do anything for that. Amen. Well, here's here it is. The evidence of wisdom is when a man or a woman seeks it. You're dumb as a rock, dumb as a stump, if you're not asking for God's wisdom. You don't have wisdom if you're not asking for wisdom. To not know what you need to know and ask him is the wisdom of God. Because he says, I'll always answer you, and I won't 
I won't say, well, dummy, I told you that last week. I showed it to you. Had three people come by and say, this is it. He said, we'll not even mention that. If you ask me, I'll tell you, and we won't mention anything. So everything God does is what? It's according to a pattern based on his character. So he does everything based on his character. So if I can know his character, the Bible says, the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. That's his character. He's long-suffering and upbraideth not. That's his character. So I can always say, how's God going to think about this? What's he thinking? He'll think according to his character. And God is, uh, everything God does is based on a principle. And the principle is this. God cannot fail. He cannot fail. Nothing's impossible with him. Who God cannot fail. So uh, everything in the word, when he says he healed them all or he says he blessed them all, it's based on the principle. He cannot fail. As soon as y'all get happy, happy let me know. <laughs> so I'm discovering, you're discovering God's principles of wisdom. I'm, I'm studying him versus studying what I used to study. I used to study worldly things. To get an advantage, to get an edge, to, to come around the corner faster than the competitor, to be in the front of the line, to be uh, uh, apportioned my share or more. How to get my kids in the best school. Well, we got to buy this house in this neighborhood, so I'm calculating how we can get there and the mortgage we'll have to have to get there, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm maneuvering, and I'm strategizing, and I'm making a blueprint and everything. That's a way to live, but that's not very, that's, it takes a lot out of you to live like that. Because as soon as you get in that neighborhood, and then they, they we heard about a school that uh, was real big in the state of Georgia, but all of a sudden, they say, we're going to take all these kids out of this school and send them over to old number 585 in the state of Georgia. Well, everybody's wild-eyed, and they should be, but God knew. He did. He does. If you will solve the world's problems, they will ask you for your wisdom. When your kids come to you, when your brother and sister come to you, your natural brother, and say, Johnny Bob, what would you do? That's how they'll say it. What would you do? And you have the wisdom of God. It's just, it's just sitting there pulsing. And you'll say, you know, if it was me, I'd do this. And it'll be like, whoa, I see it. It's great. That's the answer. I couldn't, I, they can't see it. They can't see it. You think everybody can see it. Yeah, in the reasoning mind they can, but in the mind of Christ, you see it and they don't. So if you react to the world, if you live according to the world, you will take on their problems. Do you know why people are stressed? It's because they've taken on the world's problems. And they're, they're impossible to solve. You'll get a few of them. You'll hit a few of them. Uh, you'll, you'll, they'll, but they'll always be in your life riding you like a horse, just riding you. And as soon as one problem gets off, another one gets on. But if you enter into the wisdom of the word, then you will solve the world's problems. You'll enter into his wisdom, and you won't have any troubles. You'll be like, Lord, do you want me to give a 1,000 or 2,000 in this offering or give it in the next offering? That'll be your trouble what to give, and what meetings to go to, and all of that. And so, 
When you do that, when you get God's wisdom, you'll develop convictions. You'll develop absolutes. You'll be the same yesterday, today, and forever. I mean, that's the Lord Jesus, of course, but, but we'll be like him. You'll, you'll, you'll develop things that are non-negotiable. Some, somebody says, well, let's, let's go to this movie or let's uh, run around with them or whatever. And you go, no, they're into witchcraft. I'm not running around with them or whatever. Just it's non-negotiable. Well, but they're the best people and they got the this and they got the that. And you might get a job with non-negotiable. We are amazing Christians. We have the mind of Christ. We have the power of the tongue to speak to mountains. We have favor with our God. We have his wisdom working in us in every fiber and every cell and working out of us to save a confused and, and, uh, and a uh, heartless uh, a, a world that's given up. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, we got it. You go, well, no, that's God. God's going to come down. Well, he didn't come down for you. Did he appear? Did Jesus come through the door and say, I am here and I have the answer to your problem? Finance it for six months, six years at 4% and not the other one that you... No, he never came down and told you anything about anything. He was in here. Never leaves down here. Praise God. So we are amazing Christians. Y'all say amen when you get it. We are amazing. We're not just Christians, which we are, but the world refuses to attach amazing to us because the church refuses to attach amazing to us. I am an amazing Christian. I'm going to tell you. I've got favor with God. I've got power over devils. Devils are afraid of me. I want to tell you right now, devils are afraid of me. No, you mean they're afraid of Jesus. Yeah, they are. He's already whipped them, and he said, Michael, you go whip them too. Okay, it's in the book. It's in the book. <laughs> Yay. So we're learning who we are so we can know who we, what we have and what we can do. It's the, it's the whole, this is the whole, we should quit preaching on sin and start preaching on who we are. Because right. we all know what sin is. And besides, things I used to do 20 years ago, and God never convicted me. He never said, that's a wrong, that's naughty. Today, it's gotten narrower. As I've grown up in him, it's narrower. So now he'll talk to me and say, we don't do that. I'll say, Lord, we used to do it. He said, yeah, but you're full grown now. We don't do that anymore. He said, but you couldn't handle it back then. But you can now. So you can't even just say sin is sin. I mean, we know don't steal, don't murder is sin, but... There's things for you and me, what we can watch, what, who we can run around with, what we can, that are just personal. It's sin for you, but it might not be sin for somebody else that's a youngster. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's just stop for a moment. Everybody, just uh, close your eyes or whatever you do. Let's just wait on Holy Spirit in this place. We've given him charge of this service. We've told him in advance, you're the one. Let's make some confessions, not me to you or you to me, but let's all tell the Lord right now, based on this message, I'm an amazing Christian. Let's tell the Lord what we're going to do with that. Well, now that we know who we are, let's ask him what we can do and what we can have.
the Bible says he'll give it to you, and he, he won't even chew you out. He'll just say, yeah. So, Lord, we just come before you, and we get bold. We're bold as a lion. And, and we say, Lord, collectively but individually, we're going to do more, and we're going to have more because we found out we are more. Lord, we're going to quit getting out. We're going to get out of this mundane, mediocre, colorless visions and weak talking, weak walking life that the world has and that we have refused to leave. And we say, Lord, we're going to grow up. I'm going to grow up in you. I'm going to grow up to please you. I'm going to grow up to do what you have for me. And Lord, I'll do it. I know you won't put more on us than we can handle. So, Lord, I say, whatever you say is what I'm going to do. Because I know if you say, I can do it. I can do it because you wouldn't, you wouldn't say more than I could do. So, Lord, I'm saying yes to you. Lord Jesus, I'm saying yes to you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to turn from the world little by little, but I am going to turn. I'm going to make a maneuver away from the way that I used to be to the way that you already are and want me to be. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. There's someone here. I don't... Oh, my goodness. Ah, uh, praise God. There's an acid, a stomach acid condition. Oh, and it is terrible. It is terrible. It hurts. And you just, you're limited. You can't eat anything. And when you do, you got to medicine up. And I don't know what all's going on that. But there's a stomach acid, acid problem. Something's out of whack in your stomach, in your digestive tract. Something's messed up. And it's, it's off the chart. And I speak to that in the name of Jesus. If that's you, just lift your hand wherever you are, here or on broadcast. Lift your hand and just say, that's me. And just know right now the Lord Jesus loves you. He can't love you more with anything you do good. He loves you, and he wants to see you just like you like to see your children healed and fixed and blessed. He wants to heal you. He's not withholding. He's promoting. So I speak to that acid condition, and I tell you, go in Jesus' name. Be repaired. Be recreated. I tell the acid to come into proper proportions and numbers. In Jesus' name. And we say of ourselves, of him, I am the healed. I am the healed. All over the house, I am the healed. Praise God. Well, amen. Amen. Ah, what a blessing to be healed of acid. Because we eat all the time, don't we? Or deal with that all the time. So, yay. Yay. Praise God. All right. Well, we want to thank you for tuning in to River Church Broadcast in Tuscaloosa. Have a blessed week. We will be off the air on Wednesdays for a number of weeks. But tune in at the first of the year and we'll be back. Unless we do some special broadcasts. So as you tune in on Sunday, just look and see what else is out there. Amen. God bless you.